I'm hoping as we speak today, we, something of what's happening in Texas we will address in a, in a, in a higher level, and you'll see that maybe God is, is, has a plan for the future. Um, but we didn't, we're going to speak today on Jesus, our healer, as we've been doing this series on Jesus. Um, I don't know about you, but I have loved this series. It's actually one of my most favorite series well, not ever, but within a long time. I've really enjoyed just concentrating on Jesus at a high level and then at a very personal level. Um, I think uh, Brian said his talk on incarnation was one of the most, most feedback he had received from one of his talks. And I think last week our talk on the Good Shepherd is one of the most feedback I've had on a talk. So something's connecting, which is very helpful. That's the idea. The idea is not that we give so much high-level doctrine type thing that it's like, what? That actually we make what we believe really, really practical uh, in the way that we live. And um, if we speak about Jesus, our healer, it's really important that you at least start with the premise that you need healing or we need healing from time to time. If you never think you need healing, then um, you're welcome to go. And grab dinner somewhere, have a coffee, go to a movie, do something. Um, but from time to time, we need Jesus, the healer, uh, to impact our lives. Um, I, I love two lines in that, in that last song we sang, where it says, He stands in the fire with us. I think sometimes we perceive healing just to be something that was achieved at the cross, and yes, it, it was. But there's something about the everyday living that we understand that Jesus walks with us. And when we're in those places of difficulty, those places where we need God to break in, whether it's sickness or emotional healing, whatever, he stands with us in those times. He's experienced it. It comes out of that understanding of his own incarnation and being a priest because he's identified with us. And then it goes on to say, he carries our healing in his hands. I love that because sometimes he... I think sometimes healing is seen as this abstract thing that we ask for and somehow it gets given to us. But actually when we ask for healing, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's relational, whatever it is, we're actually asking for Jesus to interact with us. There is a gift of healing, but it's actually Jesus. He carries that healing. He comes to us and touches our lives. And when we just make it abstract, I think we miss the point. And then we say, well, God doesn't heal today. Well, we, we just want the gift. We, we haven't wanted the one who gives that gift to walk with us and stand with us and see, oh, the healer is actually with us. And so as we break today, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 4, which is following the, the New Testament version of what Mike read in Isaiah 61. When Jesus is anointed by the Spirit at his baptism, he goes into the wilderness, tempted by the devil has a great victory in that time, comes out in the power of the Spirit, goes into the synagogue, as was his custom at the, that time of the week, and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Imagine what those people were thinking. Oh, whoa, it's on him. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then jumping to verse 21, today, 
this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. With Jesus coming, this anointing for him to interact with the human condition begins to happen. From time to time, God did things in history. But with the coming of Jesus, that changes dramatically. That Jesus embraces the human condition so that he can minister to the human condition. And then when he embraces the human condition, he doesn't take on sin, just so that you know that. But he goes through everything else that, is, that we wrestle through. He's tempted just like we are. But because he has victory, he can come to us with healing. And he can stand with the healing in his hands because he's already won that victory. And so if we're going to understand healing in the Bible, there are at least three categories of healing or areas. And we're going to predominantly deal with one. But there's the healing of the person, the whole person. And I think we reduce healing just to physical healing. But actually, healing embraces the whole person, whether that's your heart or your soul, your mind, your body, your emotions, your will, your relationships. God wants to bring healing. And those relationships can be, He wants to heal the relationship that you have with yourself. Do you believe that? Because you're called to love your neighbor as yourself. So if there's no healing of your own relationship with you, you can't have great self-worth to love yourself in a healthy way so that you can love others. Now, we, this is not all about introspection, and we all know this is about just coming to the realization that God's love meant to affect you as your own, in your own life, in your own way to heal you with yourself. Because so many of us are at odds with ourselves. And God wants to bring healing to that. He wants to bring healing to our relationships with others, and he wants to bring healing to our relationship with God, which, which is obviously a, a beautiful thing that happens at the cross. So we'll, we're going to deal a little bit with looking at God deal, healing the person. But there's also the healing of the nations in the Scriptures. He says he wants to bring healing to the nations. <clears throat> and uh, if you read the last chapter of Revelation, there's that beautiful verse, the, this, this river and this, these plants are for the healing of the nations. God wants to restore and heal the nations. And when he wraps up everything one day, the nations will be healed and restored. But we're not going to predominantly deal with that today. But also God wants to heal creation. Creation is broken because of the fall. Tells us, I think it's in Romans, it says creation groans for the, the sons and daughters to rise up and so that creation can follow. There's a healing that's come into creation. Um, and we're not going to talk about that today either, except to say this. When we th see things like hurricanes destroy places and people die and, and there's devastation and homes are washed away and all those things, all of that is still part of a creation that's broken that hasn't yet been healed and been restored. There is a day coming when that's going to be done away with. And we long for that day. I don't know about you, but I long for that day. I long for the day when I can wake up in the morning for personally and there's no pain. I long for the day when I can look at CNN and it'll all be good news. I long for the day where there are no floods and there are no droughts and there are no murders and whatever. We need God to come and heal lives, the nations, and the earth. And we need to live with that expectation. 
So we'll cover that in a little bit here. <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm going from the back to the front. There's this great theological word called glorification. Which the, it's that day when Jesus comes and wraps everything up and there's a, there's a restoration of the new heavens and the new earth and we are all made perfect to be with him. We shall be glorified. The thing that we've longed for to be like Jesus, we will be like Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. Do you believe that? Now we've got to get there, but we will get there. In Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, there's that great verse. It says, Speaking about that day, he says the people will leap like calves released from the stall. It's a great image. Imagine calves tighten up and one day the doors open, they begin to they leap out and they're bouncing. And they, that's what that day will be like when we are released from the bondage of sin forever. When we're released from the bondage of sickness forever. We will, we will prance. Have you seen those? Dear, the it's going to be like that. It's going to be, it's just, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now we know, how many, is, how many of you have ever actually seen a physical healing? Literally seen someone get healed? All right, not many. You know, I've seen a blind eye opened. I've seen, Linda's seen a crippled person in a wheelchair their whole life stand up and walk. We've seen cancer heal. We've seen those things. But you know that that's not common. In our day, it's common in parts of the world or more common. But each time one of those things happen, when there is a salvation, when there is a physical healing, when there is a miracle, we are getting a glimpse of that day. We're looking back to see what Jesus did. He's inaugurated a whole new kingdom, but it's in cross purposes with the old kingdom. We live in this in-between stage. The pre, uh, as I think George Eldon Ladd, that great theologian, spoke about the presence of the future. So we live in the future, but while in the present. But there is a day coming when that will be the norm. But until then, we, we long for those moments. We keep praying for the sick because someone will get healed. And yes, the sign of the kingdom. We keep praying for people to be saved. We keep praying to see miracles. And they are happening around. But they begin to happen. When, when there's a longing in our heart, yes, Lord, we want to see your kingdom come now, here on earth, in Mercy Town, as it is in heaven. Because that's the, that's the Lord's prayer, that daily prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We can believe to see some of those things. One day it will be completed. So as we look at healing, there are at least four ways that Jesus participates in that, uh, that whole understanding of bringing healing to the world. Number one is obviously the cross and the resurrection. And at the cross and the resurrection, Jesus gains a great, a great victory. He gains a victory over sin and death and sickness, and over the powers, and the principalities, and he makes a public spectacle, and it says to us in Thessalonians, he gets this great victory. There's something powerful that happens at the cross. It gives us the ability and the power to begin to move forward in our lives until that day. So, as the, the common example that everyone has always used, when World War II was happening, the, the, the Axis, the Germans, the Italians, the Japanese, that Part. They were defeated, but there were skirmishes that went on for actually months afterwards. 
and the enemy is defeated, but there are skirmishes that go on and on as he tries to hold on. And we are called to walk into the freedom of that victory here and now, and we'll touch that in a moment. So the work of Jesus on the cross to actually break the power of those things. Secondly, there's the way that Jesus lived. Now, if we're going to get from here, where we are as believers, meeting Jesus at the cross and in his resurrection, his spirit coming in to, to live in us and to get saved, and walking to the place of that day, whether it's when he returns or we go to be with him, we have an ability to walk in the way of Jesus. We'll touch again that in a moment. That's the process of discipleship. This process of spiritual formation is walking and practicing the way of Jesus. And as we do that, we will find healing begin to be established in our lives. So, for example, the, the one song we sang, the first one there, 10,000 Reasons, is one of the verses, what does it say, bless the? Can you remember? Bless the? Okay, so just say that again loudly. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Say it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. What is that, what is that line saying? That line comes from Psalm 103, first verse of Psalm 103. What is that verse saying? It's saying, I, my soul, soul, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's part of walking in the ways of God where Jesus walked in with a, a life that gave glory to Jesus, to his father, I mean, who walked in the way. So as we walk, we wake up today, soul, bless the Lord. When I'm feeling down, oh soul, bless the Lord. That's part of the way. Part of the way of receiving God's healing in our lives on this ongoing way is to practice the way of Jesus very early in the morning while it was still dark. My, one of my favorite verses. Jesus got up, went to a lonely place and prayed. Why? Because he wanted to walk the way of the, his father in the everyday to touch people. We, we have to do some of those things too so that we allow the life of God to interact with us as we engage, walking and practicing the ways of Jesus. And I won't unpack that anymore for the moment. Thirdly, there's Jesus with his ongoing work in heaven. We spoke about that when we looked at Jesus as priest, that he, he was resurrected, he ascended, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He had finished the work that he had to do on earth, and now he does the work with his Father of interceding on our behalf. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. It says that in John, Jesus says, I don't do anything unless I hear my Father do it. The Holy Spirit only does what Jesus says. So Jesus is still on our side. He's still working on our behalf so that we can walk a whole healed life. He's rooting for us to be successful. When we pray for the sick, he's wanting that healing to come through the Holy Spirit. He's still ministering on our behalf. And then fourthly, there'll be the final countdown, the final showdown. There'll be that day when he comes back in all his glory and wraps it all up. Four ways that Jesus is still operating towards our wholeness and our healing every day. He has not left us as orphans. 
scriptures say, but he has sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. The Spirit of Jesus is with us. Is that all right? We look at two quick verses. 2 Corinthians 5.17, famous verse says, If any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, all things have been made new. Now, that's a, that's a reality. That scripture helped me and cursed me in my own life, if I may be honest. It helped me because it helped me cut off the past. That verse led me, Chad, Joe, to destroy all my records. Blame that verse. That verse led me to cut up all my photographs. That verse led me to sell all my knives and guns and motorcycles and everything else. That verse called me just to cut off the past and everything is new. And then I heard last year from <clears throat> Peter Scazzaro that uh, Jesus might be in my heart, but Grandpa is still in my bones. So if Grandpa is still in my bones, I wish I'd brought my records with me. But I didn't. All right? I brought Grandpa. I would rather have had the records. The reality is that scripture is so true. All things have been made new in terms of what Jesus is doing. And the moment I respond to the call of Jesus and his, his life in me, my, my life is changed forever. I've crossed over from this state of darkness into this place of light. My status has changed. In good theology, I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint. But I still have the ability to sin because I haven't yet received the victory. I still live in a fallen world and in a decaying body and a mind that hasn't been fully renewed and a heart that sometimes desires other things. I need to be healed. That healing is a process. But the process can happen because I've crossed over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Because all things were made new. The old has gone in that way. And I have an expectation of this newness forever. Of being part of this new kingdom. The power of those things is broken, but I still have to live it out every single day. That great word, justification. That's that word. It's dealt with my relationship with God. And that the curtain has been torn. That relationship, there's a restoration. I can now freely enter into the presence of God because of what Jesus has done through his shed blood. I can access the Father freely. Do you believe that? That relationship is restored. It's healed. I might not know God perfectly yet. I'm still growing to hear that voice and walk in his ways, etc. But that relationship has been healed because of Jesus. Now I've got to live the rest of my life out. So I wrote in my notes here this word, however, however, which was, I didn't get that 36 years ago. I forgot the however. I just thought everything's been made new. I think our marriage would have been much more healthy. My parenting would have been healthy. My relationships with people would be more healthy because my counseling was, are you a Christian yet? Move on. The old is gone. That's how I dealt with people in my immaturity and my stupidity. Because I took it so seriously, but forgot that there are other verses in the Bible too that also needed to be appropriated in my life. 
So fortunately, someone brought me to my senses. And so I, I, there's a whole new stirring and of happening of bringing wholeness. Um, so however, we also have Philippians 2.12, which says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I am saved, but I caused, I'm called to work it out. What does that mean? I am saved. I am healed, but I've got to walk, work it out and walk it out. I've got to put legs to this thing that's happened to me. Um, and the great word is that word sanctification. So we've had the three great theological words of justification, sanctification, glorification. I've got to work it out. Sure, I've had a change of status from sinner to saint, from you know discard to to son, to daughter, whatever. I'm connected to God, but I have to start living that out every day. And this is where I have to participate with God through the Holy Spirit in my own healing. This is not salvation by works. I'm already saved without works because of what Jesus has done. But if I want to mature and I want to grow and I want to come into the fullness of my healing, especially as it applies to emotional healing and relational healing and the healing of my own innards, I have to participate and work with the Holy Spirit to see that happen. It just doesn't happen on its own. Now, sure, one day Jesus could come back. If I did nothing from now until then, Jesus come back, I'd be with him and I'd get in by the skinny, skinny of my chinny chin chin. You know, fire on their pants or whatever the verse is. But I have to give an account for all this life that I missed out on when I could have walked in the way of Jesus. Now, I don't want to put the fear of God in you, but I want to put the fear of God in you. There is a day coming when you're going to have to give an account for your life. I'm getting passionate again. That day is coming. You can't put it off. But death and taxes, they're real. You can't put it off. It's like a pregnant woman. It's like you can't put it off. When the baby's coming, the baby's coming. That's it. There is a day coming where we're going to have to stand before God and give an account of our lives. It's not going to be an account of, you know, are you in or out? It's going to be... Give an account for your life. These gifts I gave you, this time I gave you, these relationships, tell me about them. There'll be rewards. I think we sometimes forget about rewards. We think the great reward, I'll be with God. Yes, but there'll be rewards. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. There's going to be ruling. There's going to be reigning over this. Don't put off to that day what God expects and wants you to do today, which is become whole, get healed, walk well. Is the fear, enough of the fear of God in you? There is that day coming. And maybe we'll realize some of the things we've taught and done, we, we missed a little bit. But I think we're going to, I think it's, We've got an idea. This process of learning to walk in our new way of life and let the Holy Spirit affect who we are, our whole person and our sphere of influence, 
is what we call discipleship, to live as disciples of Jesus. It's that process of spiritual formation, allowing God to form us in his own image. And God asks us, would you let me come do that in your life? Will you participate with me in that? Yes, I'm going back. There's the miraculous. We pray for healing. You know, and some people get saved, and the moment they get saved, their addiction to drugs is done. Have you met people like that? Just done. Finished. People get saved, they were alcoholics, never touch it. It's just done. But others keep struggling every day. And they need to participate with God in that healing, in that wholeness into their lives. Jesus wants to walk with us. In those moments of weakness, he stands in the fire with you. He carries your healing in his hands with you. Now we love it when God just miraculously does things and it's all fixed. But in reality, the common way is he wants us to walk out something because he's trying to teach us what it means to rule and to reign. He's trying to teach us what it means to walk in victory. He's trying to teach us what it means to trust him. That great theologian, that great man, Paul, he got this thing called a thorn in the flesh, whether it was a disease or a, a person that was hassling him or a demon, we're not quite sure. And he said, God, take it away. Woo, three. The Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. What was, what, what's that about? Surely God's been unfair. I mean, he asked. This is a man of God. He's leading thousands to, to Christ. He's planting churches. He's apostolic. He's doing all these things. Surely the Lord can hear his prayer. The Lord said, no, I'm teaching you something. I wanted you to learn to understand what the power of grace is in your life. Why? So that you can tell others. And you go look at the, the, the writings of Paul, how often he speaks about trusting in the power of God's grace. We have to learn that as part of our healing. And when we say that, we're not lacking faith. I prayed for you to be healed and you weren't healed. It's because you had no faith. What a lot of rubbish. No, my faith is I'm going to keep trusting God no matter what. And if he heals and makes whole and restores, it'll be fantastic. But I'm going to keep trusting him. And as we participate with God in this process, and sometimes we walk alongside each other in that process, let's not be like Job's friends who just kept chirping stupid answers. Let's actually just sit with Job and be with him in his struggle. And we are here with you. We don't have the answers, but we are here with you. We will stand with you through your struggle. We Together we will trust God for whatever he wants to do. And Job was able to say, though God do anything, I will not deny him. I will trust him. You know how much healing is in that understanding? Please understand that this life is a short moment for eternity. 
It's an important moment, a very, very important moment. But it, compared to eternity, it's but a blip. And sometimes God is teaching us things now that will stand us instead for all eternity. Um, One of the things that, are we okay, are you still all right? One of the things that makes us distinctly human, and we've said this so many times, in the, created in the image and the likeness of God, is that we have this power of choice. And if Jesus is our healer, as we participate with him in that healing of our whole person, one of the things that we have to Stop and think through and say, God, take this away from me that I am a victim. Now, you can be a victim of something. All right? I am, as some of you know, I am a victim of sexual abuse. I don't think I live as a victim. Now, I'm not, if, if you are the victim of crime or, or, or of some dreadful thing that's happened in your life, I'm not, I do not want to minimize that. But one of the ways of healing is for us to move from being, having, being the victim of something to stop living as a victim and walk into a newness and say, God, I trust you that you got my back. Because until you can do that, or until you can allow God to work in your life like that, you will always be hindered and walk with a limp, a spiritual limp. If you are a victim of something here today and you're still struggling, please do not hear that I'm saying something negative about you. I'm just saying, would you allow yourself to walk with Jesus into wholeness through that? rather than just become identified as a victim. And everybody knows you as that. So, no, no, I want to learn to walk into freedom. And I want to walk that out every day. And I would like someone to walk alongside me through that. Now, you could be a victim of a really horrendous big thing, or you could be the victim of something that was small, but that's affected you. Let's allow Jesus in to bring healing into our lives so that we become whole and we become ministers of grace to others so that we learn to receive grace so that we can be ministers and dispensers of grace. Is that right? Was that not, I hope that wasn't too hard. We are victims, but we don't have to live like that if we would allow God in. If you don't allow God in and you don't allow people to walk with you, then you have to live like that. There's no other option. But let's not do that. Let's say, I want to begin a process of healing. Jesus, would you walk with me? Jesus, what is it that you require of me to walk out of this? Who can I invite to walk out of this with me, knowing that you stand with me, holding this healing in your hands? We have the power to choose some things. Jesus has won a victory, but we have to choose if Jesus won a victory over sickness and health and all those things, just a silly example, but on a cold, winter, snowy, freezing day, you have a hot shower and go stand outside in the nude, you're going to get sick. 
That's not God's fault. Is that right? That's just called stupidity. A stupid example, but to actually say that sometimes we find ourselves in places and the recipients and the consequences because we made silly choices. And we want, Jesus wants to transform our minds so that we can make, just make better choices about things. <clears throat> so, using me as an example for a moment, I obviously, I'm, I go to the doctor because I've got a few medical issues. And uh, I work with the doctor. That's the idea. I've got to work with the doctor to see some health. Now, that doesn't mean I don't believe that God will heal me. I believe he will. But he's also gifted doctors and medical practitioners to help me in this journey. So as I go on the journey, since I was 22, and in those days I was fit, and I was healthy, and I was in the military, and I was running marathons, and I was, I mean, I was a super-duper shopper show sort of person. They put me on um, cholesterol medication. My cholesterol was high because it's hereditary. So I can, you know, I'm praying for God to take that away, actually change my hereditary, make me Eskimo or something, but he never does that. But I have to participate with the doctor as I walk through this. Now, the doctor says things to me like, you should change the way you eat. The doctor says, take this tablet once a day. The goal is to get you off the tablet but until then, take this tablet. The doctor says it would help if at least four times a week you did exercise. Any of you ever heard that from a doctor before? Those sort of things. We are called to participate with our doctor in our healing process. But most of the time, we don't do what the doctor says. I've taken the tablet religiously, but I haven't done the other two really well. And then I wonder why my cholesterol is so high. So I decided to participate <laughs> with the doctor. Yeah? And th this is all current. I participate. I'm using an example to say I'm participating with the doctor. I've been exercising, I changed my eating. And my cholesterol is kind of in the lower range of normal. And my triglycerides are in the lower range of normal. And my LDL is in the right range of normal. And my HDLs are in the right range of normal. And my sugar is at the top, upper end of normal, but no longer diabetic. Why? Because I've taken this stuff seriously and I'm participating in the process. Jesus, take away my diabetes. Stop eating sugar. Lord, take away my diabetes. Stop eating sugar. Isn't that right? I've got to participate with the doctor into a process of healing. Well, it's the same spiritually in our lives. We have to participate with Jesus in our wholeness and our holiness and our coming into maturity. Is, is, are you okay? So, how many musicians here? Some musicians there. Robbie wants to be a drummer. Some musicians there. All right, some musicians. You know? Sometimes you have to, look, you have to play scales. 
Isn't that right? Is that the goal? What's the goal? To play Bach or Stairway to Heaven or whatever. Blowing in the wind. Born in the USA or whatever. That's the goal. But to get there, you have to practice. You, you have to do some things. Is that right? If you, if Miles was here, he's in, there in Alabama. If he, he runs marathon. He came like, what, 16th in the LA Marathon, whatever, whatever. To get there, he has to every day wake up, eat right, run right, do sprints, do hills, do all those things. The goal is not to do hills and sprints. The goal is to run a marathon. But he has to do this. Our goal is holiness and wholeness. But we have to do some things called disciplines to get us there. The goal is not to do disciplines. The goal is to become whole and to be healed and to become mature, to become like Jesus. But to get there, we have to do some disciplines. So guess what? There's a discipline that I do not need to do. It's called the discipline of community. I don't have to do that. It comes naturally. But what I need to do is the discipline of silence and solitude, which comes really, really hard. Because I have to learn to be with Jesus. Some of you just like to be by yourself all the time and you could lock yourself in a monastery and life would be glorious. You need the discipline of community. Whatever your discipline, we need to participate in the disciplines of God so that our whole life becomes whole and healed and mature. Otherwise, Jesus the healer is Jesus the healer. But he wants us to participate with him. Is that right? Now, I can't make you do that. Jesus can't make you do that. Holy Spirit can't make you do that. Only you can make you do that. But if you want to get there, you've got to start here with some little things. If you want to know God's voice, then you better stop. Go somewhere where hustle and bustle goes away and say, speak, I'm listening. Teach me your voice. So my latest, if someone says, I just, I'm struggling to hear the voice of God. My question is, when last did you stop? Uh-huh. Well, stop. Have I made the point? Hope we get it. We're participating with God in this life of trusting that Jesus knows what he's talking about. Quickly, some practicals and we're done. Psalm 30 verse 2 says, O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. It's this ability of I'm trusting. I'm, I'm trusting God. I'm crying out to God. God, I need you. I need you to heal me. I need to participate in that. The Lord's prayer. We won't go in there. That daily prayer. Help me. Psalm 147 verse 3. I love this verse. The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You know, there's more brokenheartedness in community than there is physical brokenness. Physical brokenness we can see. Brokenheartedness we often don't see, and we are really good at masking it and hiding it. But Jesus is our healer. He wants to come into, the, into your brokenheartedness. 
into your grieving, into your mourning, into your despair, into the places where you felt let down, where all, he wants to break in there and bring healing and comfort and restore your soul. That's why we're loving EHS, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's not the be-all and end-all. There might be other. It's a tool to get us somewhere. In Isaiah 53, which is it's again repeated in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, where he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. He wants to do that. He wants to bring healing. Now, I would love for us for a moment to close your eyes. Not because it's more holy to close your eyes, just for, to help with distraction. And would you ask Jesus, by his spirit, to come be with you right now? You take the things that where you're at, whether you're in a place of grieving and mourning, where you're brokenhearted about a relationship or a situation, or you are physically sick uh, with a flu, or you have something that's ongoing that you have, If you're wrestling through something, would you ask Jesus to come and meet with you? Maybe some of you, as we did last week with Psalm 23, need you to ask Jesus to take you to a quiet place and learn to do that well. We thank you. Lord Jesus, that at your announcement that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, you announce and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It was the beginning of the reign of the kingdom of God. And you preached the gospel of the kingdom, of the rule of God. In our community today, we want to participate in the kingdom of God. We want to participate by trusting you that you rule over us well. That you rule as a king meant to rule, as a shepherd, leading us into fullness, leading us into wholeness, leading us into our healing. May we today, our individual persons, May we come to that place of truly trusting you with our lives. Trusting you that you will, you've got our backs. Trusting you. Would you help us each day, Lord, when we want to take rulership back into our own hands and control everything? Help us to release back to you and allow you to rule and reign in our lives. Spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you minister deep into each of our hearts every day, stirring us to 
to the ways of Jesus, bringing us to the place of wholeness and bringing us to the place of healing and maturity for your name's sake, we pray.